Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. On today's show, a grandfather recounts how an otherworldly voice saved his life during war. Nap time has never been the same after a girl's visit by an intruder. And we'll hear another detailed account of the haunted office on Music Row. Ah. Yeah. I asked, they wrote. That's right. Thank you. I'm very much looking forward to that. And a family accepts they have an extra being in their home. Just what is a Yahooty? Those stories, your calls, and more. <laughs> Tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. I'm going to go with product placement for Yahoo. No, <laughs> I think that's just the creative name they came up with their family ghost. Yahoo! And they're requiring that we read it just like that, which was odd. They're like, and when you say the name Yahoo, do it as if you're doing the Yahoo thing. They did not. No, I'm kidding. Um, although they probably could use the help. Remember when Yahoo was like the search engine? Yeah. I used to love Yahoo. I, I used, I was a holdout on Yahoo. I'm a Google girl. I did Yahoo till about, gosh, probably three years ago. And uh, then I started using more Google. But, uh, and I've, I've tried to use Yahoo again and they, it was, it was decent. But then it like, they merged with Bing and everything. And it, I don't know. The results are the results are good. I do enjoy them. I think they're better results than you get from Google. But the way that it's laid out is no longer as smoothly as it used to look. It actually, it, it almost looks like it went back in time as oh. far as the way that they lay the results out, which is not such a good thing. But. Do you remember the search engine Ask Jeeves? Yeah. Remember Ask Jeeves? That was in high school. Uh, excite. Uh, gosh. Uh, Lycos? I don't remember that. Um, gosh, there was a lot of them. Hotbot? Yeah. Um, there was like a whole slew of search engines that used to exist, and everyone kind of had their own little one that they used to use. Mm-hmm. And then, for whatever reason, Google became like the one. And Google really wasn't even on the radar back in those days, when, yeah. when Yahoo and Hotbot and Excite and all that existed. Yeah, interesting. I think they could use some competition. I hope there becomes more than one in the next 10 years. We'll have to see. It's kind of like a monopoly on the market. Yeah. If you will. 
Uh, Bing's not anyhow. Enough about search engines. Let's talk about ghosts. 855-853-4802. Here's a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Of course, you can always write in as well on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Got some calls tonight, got some emails. Uh, Let's kick off the show tonight with a letter that was written in to us. This letter comes in to us from Greg. Uh, Having read out uh, the last ghost story I sent you, I feel inspired to share a few more with you. But this time, I'd like to share some stories from my late grandfather. My grandfather was an interesting man, and I feel a touch of sadness still to this day that he died when I was very young. I wish I had gotten to know him better. He used to share with his family old war stories and other events throughout his life. He had a strong interest in ley lines and and dowsing and was generally quite open to the paranormal. Some of his stories and experiences have been passed down, and I'll share a few of these with you. The first one is from the Second World War. My grandfather was the only surviving member of his section. During combat, he needed to abandon the tank he was operating and run for cover in a nearby foxhole. A foxhole is a purposely built hole in which a soldier or two could shelter from enemy fire. He was the only soldier in the foxhole, but then, from nowhere, an eerie but powerful voice called out to him, Get out! Get out! My grandfather was not about to argue with this command that seemingly came from nowhere. He excited the fox or exited the foxhole and thought sought to get some distance from it. Shortly after doing so, a shell exploded in the foxhole where he had been mere moments before hearing the voice. There was no one else in the foxhole or around him at the time. My grandfather obviously remembered the experience for the rest of his life. Were it not for the otherworldly command, he would have died that day. In his later years, my grandfather loved nothing better than walking on England's beautiful moors. He and a close friend of his, a well-known local painter, would often take walks on Dartmoor, a moor in the country and the county of uh, Devon. They would study the moor's ancient standing stones. However, On one particular day, as they walked, they noticed a Roman soldier following them. They instantly recognized the military uniform of being Roman. They were obviously spooked by this and noticed that the soldier would disappear and then reappear in different places as if observing them. You might wonder what the ghost of a Roman soldier would be doing on an English moor. Well, the Romans once invaded England and would often cross this particular moor. Due to its location, to the nearby city of uh, Exeter, these stories have always been of interest to me, and I hope they are to the other listeners, too. Thank you for listening. Greg. I wonder if the grandfather hadn't had the experience with the voice in the foxhole, Mm -hmm. if he wouldn't have been open to the paranormal so much to see the Roman soldier later on. Yeah. That's interesting. You mean, like, maybe that was his first real encounter with the paranormal and it kind of, since it saved his life, kept him fairly in tune with it or, or always kind of seeking out the answers to what exactly that was? Maybe real solidifying encounter. And I also sure. wonder, with, with war, does that constitute a near-death experience just 
over and over and over and then make you more susceptible to paranormal. What do you mean over and over and over? Well, in the in war and mm-hmm. battles, I mean, you nearly die all the time. Sure. Sure. Would that <clears throat> possibly make you more susceptible to the paranormal being around that much death and, oh, and I see actually what you're nearly dying yourself. Sure. Well, yeah. And I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, then what, maybe he's an individual too, who is just more sensitive to those things. Mm-hmm. And so he would have been more susceptible to hearing those voices and such. And you would think if there is a lot of death, I mean, as in world war two, there was a lot of death uh, going on all around you. I would think that maybe the odds of, this is, it kind of sounds kind of silly, but coming across other recently dead folks who are ghosts still being right there, maybe trying to help out their comrades, uh, you know, mm-hmm. survive. I wondered that. I wondered if the voice wasn't somebody he knew that had just died. Sure. Yeah. I could I could very well see that. And you know, I bet you as a ghost, you know, if, if that's what you're doing and you're out there and you're trying to help out other, other living people, I bet it's kind of frustrating because... I wonder if you realize or know who's going to be able to hear you and who's not going to be able to hear you. And you may try in vain a lot trying to help people and scream and yell and they're just completely oblivious to you that they're not even hearing you. But then every once in a while you get someone who seems to take your advice and that's what gives you hope as a ghost to keep going on and keep trying to help others. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, once you get one, you're like, oh, good, this one heard me. So some do, some don't. Very confusing, I'm sure, as well. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for the letter. It was a very, very good story. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, Of course, uh, if you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Share the link on Facebook or Twitter to the show. Uh, That support is what helps us stay alive and grow the show. So if uh, that's the only way you can support us, we are more than happy to take your uh, your viral support, if you will, by letting other folks know uh, about it. In fact, we hear all the time from folks. Uh, who uh, are telling their friends about listening to the show. In fact, I want to give a shout-out to some of them right now. Uh, where was the... Uh, it was an auto plant. General Motors, yeah. yeah. Uh, they built a terrain in Equinox. Uh, wait, does he say which one it is? I thought he did. I thought you told me earlier where it was. I cannot remember... I'm looking, and I see a General Motors reference from back in August, but I got one just the other day, and I think it was GM. Is it Tennessee? Do they make some in Tennessee? Let me see. Did you mean Tennessee? I spelled Tennessee, right? I don't know. I got to look you guys up, but I do. I did get a letter the other day from some some folks that were working at a an auto plant and like, hey, we love listening to the show. We were telling our friends about it, and now a bunch of us listen to it here uh, at the plant. So thank you guys very much. I'm sorry, I forget everything uh, as far as where people are writing in from, but we do greatly appreciate you. Uh, he drives a Ford. That's the problem. I drive a GMC. So rock on, you guys. So there you go. You got some love in the room there as far as the type of vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> they're great. Now they're never going to listen again. No. I'm, no. no they're, 
Great folks. So thank you guys for listening. We always like hearing about where you guys are uh, are listening at. So feel free to drop us a note sometime to let us know where you listen. If you got a bunch of folks at work uh, listening, we'll give you a shout out. Rebecca writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I have a short story for you. This just happened last night and into the morning. My stepsons were getting ready to go to bed for the night. Uh, they've been having some issues sleeping by themselves and prefer to be in a room together. Unfortunately, this usually results in no sleep for anyone, so we try to get them to sleep in their own rooms. After a couple of hours, uh, then we notice the oldest, who is nine, sneaking into the other room. When we call him down to ask why he isn't going to sleep, he says that he's afraid because he feels someone watching him at night. That this could be simply a childhood fear of the dark. I probably wouldn't have given it a second thought had I not, since we moved into the house two years ago and had the same feeling in that area of the house. The boys' bedrooms are on either side of the stairs on the second floor, and our bedroom is at the end of the upstairs hallway. That hallway terrifies me. I can find no explanation for it, but every time I walk down it, I feel as if someone is staring me down from the area outside my eldest stepson's bedroom. When I have to walk in that area with the lights off, I have to make an effort not to break into a run. So I sympathized with him when he said that he felt watched. Not knowing what else to do, I told him he was safe and that we wouldn't let anything happen to him and sent him off to bed again. In the morning, I woke up and went to the bathroom at the other end of the hall to get ready for work. Every morning, my cat makes a little ritual of following me into the bathroom and bothering me until I get into the shower. It was the same this morning, and she had jumped up on my lap to be petted as usual. Suddenly, she started staring at the bathroom door and growling. It was a deep growl, a definite warning to something. She jumped off my lap, walked over to the door, and just stared at it, growling for a couple of minutes. It makes me wonder if I was right to send my stepson back to bed when he was frightened. Thanks for reading. If anything else happens, I'll keep you updated. There's no way to know if there's something there that they're seeing or if they're just, you know, trying to get out of sleep. If they're just bullshitting you like evil asshole children do. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that That's book? quite an extreme uh, way of describing children. Uh, yeah, what was it? There's one that's called Toddlers Are A-Holes. <laughs> and I just was like, you know, I get that some days. I really do. You know, if if you were to, to judge them... You'd have to be a real asshole to judge a toddler like that way. But but if you were to just strictly judge behavior and take age out of the equation. Oh, sure. If you were to just take a study of someone's behavior and the way that they talked to someone, spoke to someone, and acted, um, and, and just recounted it on paper, not like with an audio recording or visual recording, just a recount of the behavior. But you and then you do it... Uh, Again, with an adult who's just known to be an asshole, it'd be very similar. Uh huh. Very, very similar. But that's the point. I mean, that's what toddlers are. We're essentially, as adults and as parents, what we have to do is teach our children how not to be assholes. <laughs> because I think by nature, everyone is kind of an asshole. Yeah. It's just pretty much me first. I have to look up for myself. I'm going to take, I want, I want, take, I want, me, me, me. I want me, mine now. And we have to somehow break them of that. And unfortunately, a lot of parents don't. 
break them of it. And then you get asshole adults. I do have a book that I would recommend, and I actually would listen to it through YouTube. And it's, um, I think it's, is it Samuel L. Jackson? It's called Go the Fuck to Sleep. It is. Not even joking. It's a book. It's a children's book. And when he reads it, it is hilarious. Yeah. It'll at least make you smile. So that's all. It is a, uh, a very, a very good book if you want uh, want to go for a laugh. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely read that. By the way, uh, it's the, the folks at the General Motors plant in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I had Tennessee right, okay. Yeah, General Motors right, too. Um, and I thought it was, I just wanted to be sure before I shouted out to the wrong plant or something, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Mark and his friends over there. Uh, so thank you guys uh, for, uh, uh, for writing in. Actually... Well, may, the the email says Mark. He signed it Adam. So I'm going to go with Adam. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he's using someone else's email address. Right? Anyway, anyway uh, our friends there, thank you guys for uh, for listening. I wanted to get it right. I just sure. I feel bad when they write in and I my mind because I don't remember things that happened two minutes ago. It's like I'm 80 years old. You're getting there. Sooner or later, I'll hit it. Karina writes in, Hi guys, my family has been plagued by the paranormal for generations. I have plenty of creepy stories. My grandmother was a healer back in her days, not by choice, but because she said it was a calling. She heard voices that indicated what she would do to heal certain people. It was not dark magic or voodoo. It was through prayer and belief. I believe my sensitivity to feel and see things was passed down from her. I'll write in a story about her another time. When I was about 15 years old, my mom, sister, and I lived in a very haunted apartment in New Jersey. We lived there since I was seven, and strange things happened all the time. This one time, I was sleeping in the room I shared with my sister. I was taking my usual afternoon nap, something I did often after school. I was in a deep sleep when I suddenly heard heavy footsteps, as if someone was running from the back of the house directly towards my room. As I got closer and closer, I woke up in a daze, wondering what in the world that was. The only other person in the house was my mother, whom was on the phone while she mopped the floor. I could hear her at a distance. I had fallen sleeping on my stomach, facing the wall, which I don't do anymore ever since that particular day. I didn't move, but I was awake. I continued to hear someone running through the house. Whoever it was ran right into my room and jumped my bed and right on my back in a straddle position. This person was very heavy, so heavy, I was struggling to breathe. When I tried to move, I realized that I was paralyzed. I became petrified when it suddenly dawned on me that my sister was at a neighbor's house. I then began to open my eyes and I peeked to the side to see who or what was on me. What I saw, and I can't make this up, was a young girl about eight years old with very dirty and uneven cut short hair. She was not wearing a shirt, but instead some type of shorts or underwear. Her skin was dirty as if she had been living outside. She sat there straddling me quietly. I thought an entity went by because I could not breathe. Then she looked right at me and smiled. Her teeth were broken down to little nubs and very dirty as well. I then heard my mother walking past my room, mopping the hallway floor and going on, talking on a wireless house phone. I tried to yell or scream, but nothing came out. 
This thing on my back then proceeded to lower her head onto my bare back and opened her mouth as if she was going to bite me. I felt the hot breath on my back and knew that I could, uh, that she could bite me and I still could not move. She did not bite me, instead put her mouth against my upper back with the taunting motion that she was going to bite me, but would not. I was beyond scared because I could not move. Then I started to remember a passage from the Bible that I recently learned by heart because of all the weird stuff that was happening in the apartment my mom suggested I learned it. I started saying in my head as I could not speak, this thing immediately retrieved. It jumped off onto the floor and with the same very heavy stomps ran back the same way it came in, the back entrance. I heard the kitchen door slam. I was then able to move and call for my mom. She said she did not hear a thing, but of course believe me. We lived in that apartment for 17 years and many dark things happened. I'll write in again soon. Thank you for the show. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Sincerely, Karina R. Okay. To me, for a sleep paralysis type story, and I'm not saying that's necessarily what it was, I think the homeless looking little girl is one of the scarier things you could have get on to you. That's not one you normally hear. No, so that's... I, and I only call it sleep paralysis type because of the fact she couldn't move or scream or do anything because sure. she was in a semi-sleep state. But. It's in the sleep paralysis family. Yeah. Uh, and and that does include paranormal and unexplained things that uh, go beyond just an explainable, your mind is projecting things out there thing. So it's like the child version of the old hag, <laughs> I guess. I think it was paranormal. I think there was something going on there. I do, too. That was a very, very interesting story. Thank you for writing in, and thanks for being such a loyal listener to the show. We really, really do uh, appreciate it. Hey, if you want more ghost stories, please consider becoming an EPP and supporting the show. You get bonus episodes sent to you every single week. We're now up to, there's uh, 16 bonus episodes out there. Next week, when we send the email out, you get 17 episodes in that email. And I've had some folks say, you know, I, I wrote in a letter and it was really good and I, I haven't uh, heard it on the regular show. You know, it might have been an EPP episode, just so you're aware. Uh, so you may want to uh, subscribe and check that out uh, and see if, uh, if your story was told. We try to pick some of the best stories uh, and put those in our EPP episodes as a little extra added thank you uh, to the folks who are able to financially support our show and keep it going because that really is what fuels it. Uh, it, it there, there's a lot of costs that go into keeping the show going. The, the bigger the show gets, the more bandwidth it takes to download the show, the higher those costs go and, and everything else too. So uh, if you like the show, five bucks a month, throw it in the kitty, help keep it alive and continue to enjoy away. And you'll enjoy even more because you'll get those bonus episodes every single week. You can sign up to be an EPP on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com is where all that goes down. Let's go to uh, let's go to a letter here. Kate writes in, Hi guys, I recently started listening to your podcast and of course I'm addicted. Although while listening at work, I'm more susceptible to being scared shitless when someone comes around the corner in our very quiet lab. I've always been into the paranormal and have had quite a few encounters. My favorite story is one I'll tell you now. In my early 20s, I'm 30 now, my grandma had a dog named Cleo and she loved this dog. She had no one after my grandpa passed besides her. Cleo brought her the love and companionship that she needed. She did everything for her, made sure she had her special vitamin, vitamins, the best food and professional pictures taken, etc. 
Now, my grandma is very sane, not a woman that gets confused easily, but she's a woman who cannot do a lot of things physically. She gets around but can't lift or bend easily. With all that said, my story can now begin. It was spring, maybe around Easter, and my grandma had taken Cleo for her first and only professional photo shoot. When she got the pictures back, she showed them off like any proud mama would do. She passed them around to family and friends at the beauty shop, safely into the white envelope after each viewing. A few weeks later, she was going to purchase a frame for her beloved photos and could not place them. They were not in her bedroom or her dining room table, in her purse anywhere. She was very upset at the thought of them being gone forever, possibly being tossed away with the junk mail, as they were in a white plain envelope. She'd shake her head and say, I just can't imagine where they could be. Months passed, and the pictures were nowhere to be found. She felt like she was going crazy, but we could come up with no explanation. Finally, December arrived, and it was time to drag the tree out of the basement, a.k.a. my job. It was my job for a reason, because... To get the tree, you must move a chair, a garbage can, home care equipment, and when my grandfather was still alive, the two skinny trees for the front the front porch just to get the tree box. Then on top of the tree box is a tote full of decorations, another box with more decorations, and then a huge rug and a shower curtain covering the box. It's a lot of shit. See why it's my job? And the actual tree box is shoved under the steps and tied up like a hog. Then, of course, you have to haul the disassembled tree up the steps, through the house to the living room, sort by color of the hooks that hook into the tree stand and fluff the branches and put the damn thing together. Something she cannot do alone. So, after all that, we are sorted and fluffing, and my grandma says, What did the direction say? What color is first? I get the plastic bag that the directions are in and pull out the directions and a white envelope. You know where this is going. So I hand it to her and say something like, Did someone miss out on their present and it got packed away? She doesn't think so and proceeds to open it. And there were the lost pictures of Cleo. This looks on our fa- the looks on our faces must have been priceless. Shock, relief on her part. How those pictures got in there, we'll never know. But we think it is my grandpa. Lots of other things go missing in her house, only to be found months or years later in places that are impossible for her to get to alone. We have a very small family and no tricksters, so I can't imagine how this continues to happen. I have a few other stories like this and would love to share again someday soon. Thanks for entertaining me at work, Kate. How the heck would those pictures have gotten in there any other way? Maybe she sleepwalked there. It doesn't sound like that's something that the grandmother can do physically. No, you got a point there. You know, just that physical limitation thing, that just knocks the wind out of a lot of sails. You know, I had a uh, a great uh, aunt uh, in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, my mom's aunt, my grandma's sister, and uh, she was legally blind. And when I knew her, I mean, she was old. She was, I think she was older than my grandma, if I remember correctly. Um, I believe it was Lillian. Lillian and Ted, I think, is and I, I, my mom listens to the show, so I'm going to get an email if I'm wrong on her first name, but I think it was Lillian. Ted uh, uh, took care of the deer at the park in Black River Falls. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he'd always go, come on now. 
come on now. And all the deer would just run to him. He had a thing <laughs> with animals. I mean, it was like, it was like creepy. Not like, not like thing, like he's doing things inappropriate no. with the animals. But he was like, like the deer whisperer. But just the way you said that, that's funny. He had a thing with animals. No, no I mean, no. the way you said the. Oh, that's how he said it. Really? I'll say it sometimes out, out when I, whenever I see deer, I'm like, come on now. Just when I think of him. Because it was, it was amazing. We'd go in. And, and to the park and he was had to be in his 80s and he still worked there till he like around that time when he finally retired and he looked after the deer in Black River Falls, Wisconsin and they would they just all come to him and he didn't even have to like shout it it was just like come on now and you know kind of an old Norwegian uh-huh. accent and bam those deer just loved him it was amazing that's neat it really was neat but anyway she was um, you know she was probably 70s 80s when I knew her uh, could have been even 90s. I don't know. This was like the mid 90s um, and uh, could barely see. But I was amazed at the way she got around her house there to, to get into their basement where I guess they still stored stuff. It was a ladder. Oh, wow. Literally a ladder. And she still climbed it and stuff. So I don't know. Sometimes I wouldn't put it past, you know, frailer, older people to be doing more uh, than you really expect them to. Yeah. You know, on it, I mean, and it may be one of those things sometimes, and I'm not saying, I, I think there was, this was a ghost in this story. I don't think that she wouldn't put it in the Christmas tree box. Um, but I'm just saying in general sometimes, and I'll probably be like this myself. When I'm determined to do something within reason, I'm probably going to do it. Now, I'm not about to go hang Christmas lights in my 30s, so I'm not going to be in my 80s thinking, I'm going to go hang the Christmas tree lights. But there'll be things I'm sure I'm going to do that the kids will be like, Dad, no, you shouldn't do that. You you never met Mana, but Mana used to paint her own house up into her nineties. <laughs> oh my god! This ninety-something-year-old woman in Louisiana, yeah. in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, with so gators. If she fell, yeah, you know, which she eventually she did. She did. It wasn't painting, but she did yeah. fall, and she laid out in the sun for like six hours before somebody drove by and found her. This is literally in the swamp area, yeah. right? Like so. Oh yeah. So she could have literally become gator food. I'm not just throwing a Louisiana analogy in there because we know there's gators. She literally lived in an area with gators. Behind their backyard literally was swamp. So she was lucky that nothing came up there and got her. Become jambalaya for a gator. Oh man. So I'm not going to be painting the house when I'm 90 something years old. I'm not painting it when I'm 30 some years old either. (laughs) I'm just saying sometimes old folks can do things. Yeah. And actually, a lot of times they can. Uh, whether it's a good idea or bad idea is a whole other story. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online to share your real ghost stories with us. Uh, let's go to a caller. Hello. Hey, Tony. Hey, uh, my name is uh, Peter Malady. I just uh, listened to your show, and uh, it just brought up... Uh, a story that uh, I've been told, uh, but my, uh, I guess my grandmother and my grandfather um, goes like this. Um, I was raised in Scotland, and supposedly uh, this happened during World War II, and it's a real quick story, but um, my grandmother and my grandfather, uh, they stayed in what they called uh, a flat or an apartment back then. They were on the second floor, and uh, I guess they were sitting in there, my uh, grandfather had taken part in World War II, but he'd been uh, injured early on, so he'd been sent back. Anyway, um, 
they were sitting there and they were just relaxing. And uh, all of a sudden they had this uh, cuddling scream coming from out in the stairwell leading down to the apartments underneath. And uh, they went out there and the neighbor from the apartment below was there and she was screaming that somebody was lying bleeding and all blood and guts or stuff all over the stairs. And uh, so my grandfather looked down the stairs and he saw her, and but he didn't see anybody there. And my grandmother went down there and said, no, 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 there's nobody there, there's nobody there. And uh, they tried to calm her down, they calmed her down. And uh, so, uh, you know, why don't you come upstairs to that place and relax and everything else. And as she was going upstairs, she started, the woman started screaming again, and uh, she wouldn't go past the step, you know, she wouldn't step on the step point in the stairs. You know, she kept walk, she was walking around it, I guess. And no, no, there's somebody lying there, there's somebody lying there, he's bleeding on the steps, he's bleeding on the steps. And they're like, there's nobody there, there's nobody there, there's nobody there. And she kept saying that. But anyway, eventually they got her upstairs and they got her can down and everything else. And, uh, everything was fine, you know. Well, uh, the next day, the uh, lady downstairs got a, a letter from the uh, War Department, as they called it back then during World War II over in uh, Great Britain or the United Kingdom, uh, saying that her husband had been killed in France on the uh, steps of a church. Uh, he'd been shot, I guess, multiple times and had been lying there bleeding on the steps of the church. And... Uh, my grandmother told me that um, that's what she thought she was seeing that day, you know, on the steps of the uh, apartment building. Kind of creepy, I guess. But uh, now we are listening to your show. Um, that's uh, made me think about that one. So that was that. But uh, yeah, my family has a few things uh, to do with ghosts and stuff. Uh, from being over in Scotland, uh, supposedly my grandmother's side was involved, with, uh, not involved, but from way back, uh, they were connected with uh, something called the Baxter's Duke Mills, and then the Scotland, and they had some connection with some type of witches from early on, 17th century, I think, or something like that. But, um, so, I don't know if that had something to do with it or anything now, but, uh, now my grandmother said always said that uh, you had always said that you would seen ghosts and stuff. I've seen ghosts. Uh, just yeah, you know, it's something that seems to have followed my family around for the longest time. So anyway, but anyway, that's my story. Uh, hope you enjoy it. It's not that creepy. It's just kind of weird, I guess. And uh, enjoy the show. And uh, keep up the good work, I guess. All right, thank you. Bye. That must have been one heck of a connection between the wife and then the wife of the soldier who died to envision that and see that sure. where it, right, you know, as it was happening. Because I don't know. I don't know if that's, if she's seeing him after he's dead or she's seeing, if it's like an empath thing where she's feeling his pain and seeing that as it's going on. Is it like an astral projection thing? I don't know. Is that you know? Would that be considered that? I wonder. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But 
I could go either way where it's, it's one of those things where it's like either, you know, she's, you know, so in tune and feeling the pain or he's astral projecting himself so she can be aware. I don't know. You know, who knows? Yeah. Very interesting story. How would you like to find out that your family were uh, involved with like uh, being, you know, like witches or something in the 16th century or something? <laughs> as he kind of alluded to. It would be interesting to find out. Sure. To find out that history, you know, I'm betting that it's really something quite innocent as far as our standards now, you know, like a lot of people that experienced, um, well, empathic type, type of, I guess, symptoms for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. that was something that could constitute or, you know, you could be declared a witch based on that. Sure. Yeah, so. back then, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people being declared, you know, the bad type of witch back then, and it was just insane. But, but we, anyway, we know that those are, I guess, gifts that are passed down, so sure, I could see that. He alluded to things being passed down through the family. Being, like, empathic and such, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I could, that, that does uh, kind of make some sense, actually. Every once in a while, <clears throat> I do. It's just on good days, though. You're like Matlock. Right. <laughs> Get your pudding. It's time for Matlock. Mary Jane writes in, hey, or uh, who did we discover is still alive that I thought? Uh, Angela Lansbury. Oh, she is? I thought she was dead. Isn't she? I don't know. Murder, she wrote? I could have sworn I Googled this the other day and she's still alive. Let me just Google again. Why were you Googling Angela Lansbury? Because sometimes when you're away, I like to look at pictures of Angela Lansbury. That makes me feel better. <laughs> it was one of those moments where I'm just like, I think I saw like a murder she wrote reference or something. I'm like, is she dead? Oh. And, you know, it's like one of those where you just look it up until you have the answer. Uh, I believe Angela Lansbury uh, is still alive. She's 89 years old now. There you go. Murder she wrote. I never watched that show, did you? No. That was turn off the TV time. <laughs> I wonder if that's on anything. Is it like on Hulu or something? I don't know. I can still hear the theme song. Yeah, yeah. Mary Jane writes in. Hello again. Mary Jane from California. I submitted the story about seeing my grandmother's friends at a mass after she had passed. Anyway, I have another story. It happened to my grandfather back somewhere in Texas. He was a ranch hand, and the farm was somewhere out there because to them, Waco and uh, Satin were the big towns. My grandfather was a strict, very religious man, but was extremely protective and jealous when it came to my grandmother. It was during the Christmas season that all the ranch hand families would get together and perform the Christmas story. In Mexican tradition, they tell it from the sheep herder's point of view. It tells how they overcame the temptations of demons and the devil on the road to see the newborn child. My grandfather was chosen to be in this play, and their house could be seen from where they were practicing. I never heard that version. No, me neither. Where the sheep herders are avoiding demons. You have a lot more knowledge on that topic than I do, so if you haven't heard of it, you know I haven't heard of it. Yeah, that's interesting. While the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, an angel of the Lord came to them, and I know, I can, like, uh, recite this stuff because it was, like, memory work in uh, grade school. Okay. When, I think I when Charlie Brown does it on the Christmas thing, it's like, oh, it all comes right back. But I don't recall the... Uh, 
a, a version of the story like that. That's interesting. My grandmother says that he said that he could see the door opening and closing from the house and that he could see a tall man going into the house. He swore he saw the man's shadow against the light coming from the house. So he took off in a rage towards home, and my grandmother says that he heard him step on the porch and call out her name. She opened the door, saw him, and suddenly my grandfather disappeared. A huge gust of wind was all she felt. My grandmother called out his name, and he answered from the fields. According to my grandmother, my grandfather said that the devil came and threw him into the field because of his jealousy. My grandmother swore this to be true, and so did my aunts and mom, who witnessed it. My grandfather passed away back in 1935, and then my family moved to the big town of Waco. My mother said that when they settled in their new place, that they would hear someone running down the street and up the stairs and knock on the door every year after his death. When they would open the door, no one would be there. Maybe it was my grandfather saying he was home. This only happened in Texas. The family then moved out here to California in the late 1950s, and they never heard the footsteps or knocking at the place out there. Thank you for reading my story. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and yours. Mary Jane. I don't know where to start on that one. There's so many things that I've never heard of before in that story. What about you? I don't, I mean, obviously it sounds like something was going on. I don't know where to begin there either, but it's a good ghost story. It is. It's a good ghost story, and I'm not saying at all that it's not. It's just there's so much new stuff, you know? Sure. Sure, no. I I appreciate you writing in. It's one that I don't know where to begin on analyzing it because there's a lot of facets to it. So thank you for writing in and sharing the story with us. We we really do greatly appreciate it. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802-855-853-4802 to uh, share your real ghost story with us uh, here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write in. The wait time to get those written stories has gone down tremendously since we've exited the Halloween season and we've got a lot uh, caught up. So uh, feel free to write in as well uh, if that's more of your thing. 855-853-4802, the number again. Let's go to another letter. Avery writes in, when I was about eight years old, I used to see a bunch of unexplained things. But the thing that scared me most was the time I had my first sleepover. We were having a contest to see who could stay up the longest. I and my friend Susie were the only ones up. My other friend, Maya, uh, was snoring, so I wasn't sure if I, w- uh, if I heard it or not. But I thought I heard footsteps down in the basement. Susie must have heard it too because she asked if I heard that. We were really tired, so I guessed it was just our imagination. But at least ten minutes later, I heard it again. Then it started happening constantly. I wiggled Susie, but she was asleep. I began to get scared. So I went to go get Mrs. Malaria. (laughs) Is that the last name? I think it's Malaria. Malaria. Okay. Malaria. And it's Maya, not Maya. It is Maya. I realized after I said that. There you go. Sorry about that. So not Malaria. (laughs) Malaria. Okay. Susie's mom. She was really nice in my opinion. So... She said that she could go check it out. See, I did really... What was the language the other night I was doing really good on? You thought I was going to have all these slip-ups, and I can't even handle these normal names. <clears throat> I remember the story, but I can't... Oh, in, it was... It was an Indian name. Yeah, And Indian. I was, like, knocking them out. Bam, 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 bam. And here's just plain English. I'm like, eh. <laughs> Tony's going to F this up. 
continuing on. We walked around the house but couldn't find anything. Mrs. Malaria said that it was probably nothing. When Mrs. Syphilis left, I heard footsteps. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Come on. When Mrs. Malaria left, I heard footsteps again. <laughs> then I heard a scream. Some of our audience is going to hate that. Some are going to be able to just spit drinks out of their mouth. Anyhow, I do it for the folks who are spitting drinks out of your mouth. And I'll be the one that gets the nasty grams. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Susie and Maya woke and asked, what was that? I said I didn't know, so all three of us went to investigate. When we saw, I would n- what, I, what we saw, I would never forget. There was a ghost at least six feet tall standing in front of us. I don't remember exactly what it looked like because we ran off screaming. I stared at the whole closet that I was in. I was terrified. That's all that I remember. But I think I remember the ghost looking like this. It had no face, just white skin. It had all black hair sticking up all over the place. I remember its body being faded. Right now I'm 19, so I don't exactly remember. I'll see if Susie remembers more. She'll be more than happy to tell what she remembers. I would be curious to know if anything else had happened in that house or if that was just an isolated incident, in, excuse me, incident because of that many little, I'm not saying little girls, but younger girls, you know, because we know the energy of crazy energy girls. Yep. <laughs> if that was drawing something out, I could see that. Mm hmm. I really could see that. Very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for writing that into us. Hey, Steph writes in, Hey, guys, thanks so much for sharing my story in the podcast, Haunted Office on Music Row in Nashville. Wanted to write back to tell you more details of the story per your request and also to share with you what happened earlier today while I was listening to your podcast. First, this story happened a few years ago when one of the old bosses came into work on a Saturday afternoon. She had brought her dog into the office with her since it was Saturday and I didn't like being alone in the office. Having her dog with her gave her a little more of a secure feeling. She was working at her computer. Her dog was sleeping on a chair in her office when she decided to get up and get a glass of water from the kitchen. Her dog heard her get up and followed her out of the office and into the kitchen. The way our kitchen is set up, it had two doors, one on either end, and you could either enter and leave from either of the two doors, depending on which part of the office you were coming from. So she was standing in the middle of the kitchen, pouring herself some water when the temperature noticeably dropped in the room. She instinctively turned around and saw that her dog was intently staring at one of the kitchen doors. The dog started to growl at the door and proceed to keep growling, shifting its eyes from the original door all the way to the other door and stopped once its gaze reached the other door. At this point... She was kind of on edge, thinking that it was very creepy and uncharacteristic for her dog to do something like that, and she decided to head back to her office. On her way back from the kitchen to her office, she heard music playing from the receptionist's desk. Thinking she had been here alone, she called out to the receptionist's name, but no one responded. Pretty creeped out at this point, she headed back to her office to pack up her things and finish working from home. When she got to her office door, she heard a shuffling behind her, and she and her dog whipped around, and she says she saw the train of an old dress disappear around the corner just as she turned around. Her dog saw it, too, and started growling and barking up a storm. She ran into her office, grabbed her keys, and left. I don't think she ever came into the office by herself again after that. 
Secondly, I'd like to listen to your podcast in the background during my day while I'm working. I usually listen in my headphones and have never had any technical difficulties arise while listening to your show, which I have been doing regularly for quite some time now on iTunes. However, today, while I was listening to the podcast in which you read my original story, the sound kept cutting in and out. And it almost sounded like there was radio interference coming through into the headphones. I've never experienced anything like this before and thought it was strange. Perhaps it was a coincidence, but it just seems strange that it only happened during the one podcast. Thanks for reading and asking for more stories. I love your podcast even more so now that your wife does it with you. She's a wonderful addition to the show. Merry Christmas, Steph. I think it was the sisters. They were upset that she was listening to the podcast where they talked about them. You know, you're not the first person, Steph, honestly, to make comments about having shared a story on the show. Uh, and then when that show comes to air or they're, they're catching it, um, uh, that, that things happen. Yeah. Like there's difficulty listing the show. It resets itself. Um, yeah. I mean, and here's a little something that's really strange from what you just said. It sounded like there was radio interference. Um, that's not at all normal on a podcast. No. That doesn't happen. Um, I get, you know, there's technical glitches. I listen to all sorts of podcasts, and I have it where I have glitchiness, you know, here and there where, uh, the, you know, it'll reset itself or it'll pause or something. And that's just, it tends to be phones mess up. But, um... It's odd when you are going for a, a string of normality listening to the show and then when it's your specific story that stuff starts happening and even more so odd that you have interference coming through. So yeah, I would attribute that to being something paranormal. Yeah. I really would. And I'm not just trying to add more ghost stories to our show, but I really think uh, I think it's something that doesn't want its story being told. So thank you for writing in, Steph. Really do appreciate that. If you have more stories from that office um, that are uh, you know along those lines of, of that good, uh, we would we would love to hear them. And if you guys have real ghost stories, please don't hesitate to write or call in. If you haven't done so already, by the way, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you get the episode sent directly to you. I know a lot of folks who just do the whole search thing every time they try and find an episode. Just subscribe. You'll know exactly what episode is the latest. You're going to get them right to you. Don't have to search. It's, you know, click, done. There you go. Shows are right there for you. Please uh, please do press subscribe. Mike writes in, Hey, guys, been a while since I last sent you in anything. You might remember my call about the shadow man and fingers pushing up through the mattress. Uh, or my two letters, one where I, in college, kept finding glass pieces in my room, or the other one where the neighbor's dog was growling at an empty space next to me. Anyway, this one begins when I was about uh, six and living in San Jose, California. Uh, meth dealer at the end of the street aside, uh, it was a quiet, nice neighborhood, and there was a lot of other kids. My best friend at the time was a boy named Charlie who lived in a house across the street. Charlie was a year old, but it didn't matter, and when, uh, and when uh, we would spend endless hours playing G.I. Joe and the like together. I have many fond memories of Charlie, who unfortunately has since passed. I remember when inexplicably his yard was filled with dead crayfish. I remember when we ate 
his dog Snoopy's friend food or when uh, the neighbor left a massive stack of Playboys in a pile outside his garage. Good thing he put a comma there. <laughs> I actually think the comma should not have been <laughs> where he had dog. It should have been dog Snoopy's because I was almost thinking he was saying they ate his dog. <laughs> That's why I was kind of pausing for a second. <laughs> Okay. It's amazing where a comma can change a story, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is, is that right? I remember when we ate his dog Snoopy's food. Or should it's, it be his dog Snoopy's comma food? I don't know. I suppose it could be either way. It's more so about the inflection, I think, than the comma. I think it's the inflection. I'm pretty sure my <laughs> commas are properly placed. I'm not, is it? Oh, is it you? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> because you could say ate his dog's food and take Snoopy's out of there. You're right. So there's a comma before yeah. and after. It's inflection is me. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought it was funny where I was saying he ate his dog. Nope. Because the crayfish thing was interesting. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, a yard full of dead crayfish. They ate his dog next. Oh, my God. Continuing on. That was my first exposure to the female body and was uh, grounds. For a week when my mother found a light bright pattern folded hiding behind my dresser and stuffed with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <clears throat> my friend uh, Eric Abraham had uh, 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 a large, well, they weren't his, they were his dad's that he found. And they were uh, up in the loft of a barn down the road from his house. Okay. His dad owned this land, and it was in the this barn down there. And we'd go ride our bikes down there, and then we would climb up the ladder and look at him up there. And this is, you know, pre-internet and everything. This is like probably the first time I actually saw boobies. Really? Like, without bras on. Beyond the JCPenney? Beyond Penny. the JCPenney catalog. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like, wow, is that what they look like? And these are like 1978 Playboys and stuff. They're probably quite valuable today. Wow. But uh, that's my story. Nice to know. <laughs> I, I don't check. have anything comparable to that. Sorry. Uh, anyway, continuing on, it was known to Charlie and his family that their house was haunted. Being so little, little I wasn't sure what, uh, what that really meant, but it scared me nonetheless. I had a couple of experiences before, not least of which was the clown that jumped past my window when I lived near San Diego a couple of years earlier. But I never understood ghosts to be uh, to mean the spirits of the dead. To me, it was just spooky and usual things that happened. Charlie and his family had dubbed their ghost Yahooty. I have no idea where the name came from or what it might mean, but that is what they always called it and what I remember it as. Yehudi was not a bad ghost beyond being mischievous. For the several years we were friends and played daily, I never experienced anything. I always went by the stories I was told. The one I remember was remember most was, despite the house not having an attic, the family would regularly hear posts or pots and pans banging around above the ceiling. The one incident involving me while I lived there was my brother, my mom, and I were staying over for dinner. It was just before we were going to move to Pennsylvania. Charlie's mom asked us to go to the refrigerator in the garage to grab a two-liter of soda. When my brother was around, Charlie seemed to pay more attention to him. I bring this up because Charlie and my brother were walking and talking ahead of me, and I was right behind, heading to 
uh, or hanging my hat and sulking that I was being ignored. They opened the garage door and stopped. I ran into the back of them, and before I could wonder why they had stopped, both of them were pushing past me and running back into the house. I stood there confused, but only for a moment. It was like my eyes were drawn to it. The family car was in the garage. The sun was low, but still out. There was enough light to see, but the garage had that dim gray of twilight out of the direct sun. Sitting in the driver's seat was the perfect silhouette of a man. He had no features, and he was all white and translucent. I could easily make out his head and shoulders, his arms up and his hands on the wheel of his car. He just sat there, or maybe he didn't. I wouldn't know because I ran back into the house terrified. For some reason, I was told to go back and grab the soda, and when I did, the shape was gone. Years later, when X-Files came on, a cold shiver would run down my spine every time during the intro. There's a clip of a very similar ghostly figure walking down a hall. It's one of my favorites for two reasons. The ghost was the classic ghost being white and humanoid. The other reason is my brother, who is in ghost, still corroborates the story to this day. I know this is long, but the next part is worth it. A year or so later, after I had moved, I went back to visit Charlie. He was always a horror movie fanatic and was never afraid of them. Living with his own ghost might have helped with that, but his mom let him see anything he wanted. I think it is partially why I scare so easily. Seeing Cujo four or four times or teens screwing in a sleeping bag and Jason coming along and slamming them against a tree probably wasn't meant for my four-year-old eyes. On this visit, we're watching Candyman. It had just come on, or just come out on VHS and Charlie had rented it. Charlie was lying on a pillow right in front of the TV and I was sitting on the couch. I'd been lying down, but Charlie had just informed me a friend's dog had humped the pillow I was using the day before. I was stewing and not focusing on anything other than the funk that was likely on my head when the light in the corner across from me turned on. It was a pole chain standing lamp. I heard the chain and bing, the light was on. Moments later, the recliner in front of the lamp began to rock on its own. To the right of the lamp and chair was a sliding door to the backyard. The door was completely closed, but the long white slats that were vertical blinds began to shudder in a line as if a wind ran through them or almost like fingers ran along them. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I watched Frozen for some time. I couldn't, it couldn't be real, but there was right in front of me, and it wasn't stopping. Eventually, I found my voice and called to Charlie. So engrossed in Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen's performances, he ignored me. I called again, and he finally turned to me. Annoyed, I said, look. He slowly turned and saw what I was seeing. I expected a reaction. Exactly what I didn't know, just something with shock in it. Instead, Charlie lazily turned back to the movie and said, Yahooty, knock it off. The blinds stopped flapping, the chair stopped rocking, and the light went out with the sound of the chain being pulled. Whenever I began to doubt my belief in ghosts, whenever I hear just one too many stories that sound stolen from lore or an old movie, I remember Yahooty. I remember whatever is out there, whatever you call it, there is more to this world than we know. Thank you guys, Mike, from all over. I still want to know where the name Yahooty came from. Yeah. That's interesting. 
That is. I mean, I was almost, because when we were talking about it earlier, I'm like, is it like a Yeti or something? Oh, I could see that. Sure. But it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's strange. <clears throat> Very interesting. I could see it being something where like a two or three year old, you know, is experiencing like, yeah, Yahoody, you know. Yeah, I could see that. They come up with the funniest names for things. Yeah, like bicycles. Yeah. By Jews. Yeah. Whenever uh, around, uh, you know, what, what, what are you asking Santa for when people ask Harp that, who's two? Uh, Bye, Juice. People are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bicycle. It's oh, like okay. Bicycle juice put together. Yeah. But the thing is, she's, she says so many things so clearly and great. It's so funny that that's the, the word that she uses a lot. She refuses to say correctly. Yeah, she told it to Santa. He asked her what she wanted. Bye, Juice. Well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nice, little girl. Is there anything else you'd like? Mm, no, thank you. Yeah, literally said no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. No, no other toys? No, thank you. That was a proud parent moment. We'll we, see how long uh, that lasts. We have the most polite little girl. We'll see. Cody writes in, my son is two and a half, and last night he crawled into our bed like normal around 2 a.m. We heard a loud thump, and our son was sitting up in our bed screaming bloody murder. Murder. He kept pointing to our upper corner of our room and kept saying, what is that? Go away. He then kept screaming and crying, looking in the corner, looking in complete awe. He was scared. His face. There was, he was... Uh, and... He was uh, he was scared on his face, and the fear I saw never was in him before. He then pointed to the closet and said, Stop! Go away! Then he yelled, No, no, no! And then, hide under the blanket, we kept asking, What is it? And he kept trying to tell us, but he only knows a few words. After the night passed, we went to the living room to sleep. The next morning, he was scared of our room and would not let us go in it and then we asked him why and he said he's in there and now we're scared and worried please help I don't really know how to help that is terrifying though um any ideas Tony well there's this board game out there it's called no I'm not gonna go there with it um It's called Mousetrap. Play a lot of it in your living room. You'll love it. Just don't go in your bedroom ever again. Um, You got something going on. Yeah. At least he can see it, or the little one can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Should they think about getting the house blessed or something? Well, I mean, you run the risk of it getting more uh, destructive uh, with that. I know. I'd say give it a little bit of time. Maybe my, my first course of action is to do the, just ask it to go away. Okay. You know, sometimes, sometimes that works. But seriously, we, we get a lot of stories where people don't know what to do. Uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, before you start going into the, let's bless the house, let's get, uh, you know, a, a priest in here or ghost hunters or whatever, um, which may be something down the line that needs to be done, um, simply speak out loud to it and say you're not welcome here you're scaring my child or or say if this is your house too because you never know what it is just because he was scared doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad thing it could have been anything kids if they're perceiving something and seeing something that normally should not be there they're going to be afraid of it in most cases so it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad 
No, but what scares me about it is it sounds like it was trying to touch him because he would tell mm-hmm. it to stop it. And, sure. And no, well, no, no. And and to me, that's more than just it showing itself. That's, sure. That's like well, putting th- your hands on my kid kind of stuff. Sure. Think too, though, if it's what if it's like a nanny ghost or an old a mother ghost or something or grandmother who's haunting and she was literally trying to show the child I'm not harmful. I just want to. It could be something bad. You're right. But it could also be something literally just trying to soothe the child, but it, that clearly was not working. Okay. Yeah. Just a thought. Before, I mean, before we start assuming it's it's bad, and let's just try going, hey, you know, you're here. I understand you're here. This is your house too, but you're scaring my child. So you do your thing. We'll do ours. Please don't make yourself known to my child anymore or us. And we should have no problems. And see if that works. Sometimes it does. In more cases than not, that is the solution. Um, if that doesn't work, yeah, you may need to start looking at some other options. But just try asking it and just letting it know that you are you feel uncomfortable around it and the child does too. Which it may have gotten the message with the child freaking out the other day too. Yeah, maybe so. Never know. It could be a fairly benevolent ghost right would that be the right term that's the right term but i don't agree you don't don't, you feel differently i feel differently okay the little boy said he's in there okay i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just giving you know and i'm not saying that there can't be a good male nanny ghost it's just i don't have the feeling that that's necessarily a positive thing but ask it to leave and maybe it will yeah try that first and then let us know how that how that works out. Yeah. If you have a real ghost story, let us know. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number. Please support the show. If you're not an EPP yet, consider becoming one. Signing up. Five bucks a month. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. We greatly appreciate it. If you would, and if you already are an EPP, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate you. So, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>